0: Everyone? <laughs> Man, I'm going to do something really funny every single intro. <laughs> that one just, that one takes the cake so far. <laughs> okay, so this episode I'm going to talk about the top players that I have scouted uh, for who are draft eligible for the 2020 NFL draft. Because I just love scouting guys, man. I, that's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. If a team pays me to sit there and scout thousands of players, I'll do it. And I'm confident I know what I'm talking about. I mean, okay, let's think about it. Um, Orlando Brown, I thought he was the best. Him and Derwin James, I thought, were the best players in the 2018 NFL draft. Orlando Brown is holding down that right side of the offensive line for the Ravens, right? And I think he had a PFF grade of about 70. And sure, PFF is not the be-all and end-all. But if you watch the tape on Orlando Brown, he's a dominant offensive lineman. And uh, PFF, you know, it's, it's probably the closest thing we can get to analyzing, like, getting a number on how good a lineman is, because no one else is really doing that, are they? And obviously, Derwin James was an all-pro safety, you know, and he was picked 17th. I mean, he was expected to go in the first round, so that's not a huge call. Um, Who's another James Daniels? I thought he should have been a top ten pick, and I think he went in the second round. And he's he's a beast for the Bears on the offensive line. Uh, I actually thought Mason Rudolph and Luke Falk were so, like you know top five quarterbacks in the in the draft in twenty eighteen. Um, Luke Falk went undrafted. Rudolph went in the third round, I think. And we'll see how they go with real NBA NFL action. Because uh, you know Ross and Donald are out for a little bit, um, or for a little bit in Donald's case anyway. Um, but I, you know, they're just they're great quarterbacks. You know, they stand in the pocket. They'll throw. They're not afraid to throw down the field. And they'll throw it with accuracy. And they can make multiple reads. They can move their feet. Have good pocket awareness. So time will tell as to whether I truly am a great uh, pick of players, um, but. I'll just tell you a little bit about the players that I value in this draft, in the 2020 draft. Okay, so just just as a precursor, this is most certainly the draft, uh, the year of the wide receiver. All right, I've got one, two, three, four, four out of the top. Ten or so players i've 've scouted so far, mind you i've only scouted about a hundred and fifty players uh, based on like you know, NFL draft uh, mock drafts and things like that because i i'll talk about it a little bit later, but i don't really like watching college football too much just because the standard isn't great I mean sure these guys who are NFL ready will show their talent and that's fun to watch, but i prefer to just watch. Sort of highlight packages, or, or like you know game tape put together afterwards. So you know throughout the year I'll keep scouting guys and keep putting them in my big boards. and then once the season is over, I'll go back and look at relook at a lot of the players and see you know, what sort of improvements they made over the course of the season. But these 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 rankings and evaluations are based on the play that they had in what was either their. Uh, sophomore or junior years, right? So last year's college football season. So, you know, they might have had an off-season and improved, so that'll improve their value. And as I do with the NBA and NBA evaluation, I just simply look at players and just think about how much I would pay them because then once you do that, you can evaluate, okay, um, how do they stack up against players that you already have on your roster? You know, if if I'm an NFL GM. right, so I'll start off here. Uh, I think the best player in the draft that I've seen is T. Higgins, the wide receiver out of Clemson. Now, I'd value him at about $12 million a year, right, which puts him at like a pro bowl level, right, from day one. Um, So I'm just reading off a a draft of um, my NFL big board for 2020, which you can see on SkinnerSportsAnalysis.com. I haven't actually published it yet, but... Basically, T. Higgins, if you're building a wide receiver in a lab, he's what you would create. 6'4", 220, lightning fast, can run most routes, great hands. I mean, he's got a little bit of Julio to him. Julio's a bit more of a dynamic athlete, but T. Higgins, like, he's a huge reason why Trevor Lawrence put up big numbers. I think Trevor Lawrence is hugely overrated. I think his throwing action is is just... Very unrefined. I don't think he's really big enough and therefore strong enough to take hits in the pocket, which can affect his um, composure in the pocket, which affects everything you do. You know your ability to look down the field. Like that's why Donald, Sam Darnold's not a good quarterback because he's well, he is solid, but he just he just he doesn't have composure in the pocket. You know, whereas a guy like Mason Rudolph and the best quarterback in last year's draft, Taylor Cornelius, who is unsigned, right. No one's got him on a roster, but Taylor Cornelius is a, just a a chiller in the pocket. Um, you know, well he'll do all the right things, but he's not really phased by pressure because, well, he knows what to do in the pocket. He can move around. He's big enough to take hits, and um, and he does make a lot of uh, pre-snap adjustments, which probably means that he does shift the offensive line and stuff and protections, which is what you you need to have that intelligence as well as a quarterback. Um, Of course, that's something that I don't really know about. I mean, I'd love to talk to Mike Gundy, like this coach of Oklahoma State, and talk to Cornelius himself and talk about any adjustments that he might have made. He might not have at all, but I'm just saying, if you put him out on an NFL uh, field, I think he'll have the play smarts and um, all the other factors that make a quality quarterback. Um, Just like the top quarterback in the draft is Jalen Hurts. So this is a remarkable story, right? So Nick Saban is heralded as this great evaluator of talent, obviously putting together these dynasties uh, in college football. But I think they let one slip through their hands here by playing Tua Tua Gavaloa, uh, sorry if I butchered his name there, uh, instead of Hurts. I mean, Hurts, he's, he's literally, he's a cure to back in a running back's body. So I've got a notes here. He can pass on all levels of the field, but also reliably make yards with his feet to the point that you could call half a dozen run plays per game with him. So he's more likely to lay the boom than take hits too, unlike uh, and other run-first quarterbacks like Robert Griffin the third or Lamar Jackson, right? So you know Jalen Hurts like he's he's what like six one two twenty. So he he can take hits in the pocket. And I'll, I'll keep probably saying the same words over and over. But Hertz can really throw down the field as well. I think he should be a top ten pick um, in the upcoming draft. Um, the what I've got David Dow, the strong safety out of Michigan State, just ahead of him. Um, I believe that Dow is a bit like Kenny vicaro who is a guy who is um, well. Dow especially is great in coverage. I mean, Kenny Vicaro didn't have a great game for the Titans in coverage. Um, against the Jaguars, most recently, you can listen to my second podcast that I did on Anchor or Spotify. I think there it's on at the moment. I'll try and get it on Google Podcasts because that's how I listen to my podcast, but I'm not sure how that works yet. I might have to like you know, contact Google and get some RSS feed or something. This whole podcasting thing, yeah, I mean, shout out to Anchor there; they do a great job of it, but um, it's still a little bit murky as to how everything works. But um, David Dow. He is really good in coverage, so he's you know a threat to pick the ball off. But he can also hit you, like cause turnovers from like force fumbles because he's such a sound tackler, right? And he can lurk close to the line of scrimmage like a linebacker. So David Dow, check him out. I mean, people are scouting, people are evaluating him as though he's like a sixth round pick. But you know, I th- I thought he should have been like a top ten pick in last year's draft, um, let alone this one. Um, it is interesting to me because you know I put like 11 million dollars value on David Dow but let's I'd love to watch watch footage from 2019 or 2020 with you know, as I mentioned like some time to work on his game and see how much improvement there is. All right because like when I when I try to evaluate myself as a basketball player I look at all right how how good is my left hand getting which therefore increases my value right if I can finish at the rim with my left hand then that creates um that means I am worth more money, right? Because I'm more likely to get a bucket. So, you know, what has David Dow worked on in the off-season to improve? I do think maybe the in basketball, it's a little bit more of a skill-oriented sport um, rather than athleticism. But um, you can always get more athletic. You can always train, continue to train. Um, and your ball skills can get better as a safety. Um, your play smarts, diagnosing plays can improve. But I think maybe you can improve a little bit more um, from basketball because like it's so skill oriented, right? Um, yeah. Um, the top running back in the draft, I believe, is Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin. I think we often undervalue these legendary college running backs, maybe because they've just taken a lot of hits, or you know they've got a lot of mileage. But because it's just like Bryce Love, who was a legendary running back for Stanford, uh, he was drafted pretty late. Um, in the draft last season, but I thought he was one of the best running backs. Um, in that draft, and Jonathan Taylor, I describe him as a quicker Jordan Howard. So, like, as a real bell cow back, like he's unless like he's unless two guys are tackling him behind the line of scrimmage, he's getting at least five yards, right? He's just that big and strong. Um, and he's he's got quick feet too. Uh, I think he can receive a little bit, and he's going to be a great pass protector because he is such a big guy, right? Um, and he's fast enough to probably maybe n- he doesn't quite have home run speed like an Ezekiel Elliott or um, you know the, some of the faster backs in the league. Um, I say Ezekiel Elliott because he's a bigger guy than say Dalvin Cook, who we all know can take it to the house, right? Um, but yeah, Taylor, um, he he'd be a great weapon. Um and then a guy I scouted recently is the wide receiver, as I mentioned. What there's a whole bunch of epic wide receivers. Not the wide receivers you might expect though. Like I've got Jerry Judy as maybe like a at the moment I would say he's a, he's probably a second round pick or third round pick. Um I won't really talk about the I that might be another episode of like guys that So this is the positive episode where I talk about all the players I like, Um, but uh, just checking that this is recording because we had a misstep in uh, the third podcast there. Yep, this is still recording. Excellente. Um, (sighs) Shit, what was I saying? Uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about all the good, the players I like in this pod and then I'll talk about all the the reasons why I don't value guys that everyone else values. So, you know, it's like the tours, like the you know Tua tour, Gavailoa, tour um, Derek Brown. Uh, I really like Chase Young, and I'll talk about him in this pod probably. Um, uh, Justin Herbert, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's worthy of a first-round pick at this stage. Again, they, he might have improved, but I'm just talking about last year's play. And it's only a few weeks in a college football season, so give me a break, all right? I haven't watched that much tape on, well, fresh tape on these guys, okay? But um, I don't know what that has to do with TJ Vasher. Um, but, but yeah, I've got TJ Vasher way ahead of Jerry Judy. Just because TJ Vasher is kind of like Mike Williams of the Chargers, as a tall downfield threat with great hands and body control. He plays for a smaller college. I think it's T C yeah T C U or something. I mean, it's not like an Alabama or anything, so he's not going to get like as much attention as a Jerry Judy. But T J Vasher, man, like he, he a bit like Mike. Well, Mike Evans is a bit stronger, I would say. But yeah, Vasher, man, he's got some, some yeah. I guess like uh. uh I always fit Randy Moss. I always get Randy Moss and Jerry Rice mixed up. He's got a little bit of Moss about him, just because he is so tall and he can like pluck a lot of balls out of the air. Um, and you know, at the line of scrimmage, he's probably active enough with his hands and feet to get away from cornerbacks. Um, and so those are guys. So those are my top five players, right? And I feel like they're worth ten million dollars or more. And now to just talk, I'll talk. I won't. Go too much into um, my evaluations here because I don't want to go on and on and on. But I'll talk about the guys who are worth nine million dollars and eight million dollars. How about that? Okay, so nine million dollars. And look, I really should do a video series of how I evaluate players. Um, So if anyone is intrigued by that, because I'm a bit of a lazy fellow, like I'm not going to do that unless someone asks me to do it. Because you know, putting together a video, and um, you know, how professional I would want to do it, like using pointers, like in a cursor, and like pausing and rewinding and stuff. I'm um, doing a video analysis is something that maybe I wouldn't do unless there was a huge need for it. But um, I, I guess the positive traits that I talk about here is how I evaluate players and how I come to that, you know, say nine million dollar valuation. So I've got Ian Book, the quarterback out of Notre Dame, as a as a has some Drew Brees about him, as he's a shorter QB who makes the right decisions and is extremely accurate. Right? Um, we've got Chase Young, who everyone thinks is probably going to be a top five pick, and they're talking about him as the next Miles Garrett. I don't think he's at that level yet. I describe him as he's like Adrian Claiborne with his active hands and great power. Um, because I've watched a bit of Claiborne having, you know, he's, he's played on, he's a very underrated player having played for the Falcons and the Patriots at a high level and on some big stages. And I guess like size wise, they're just similar, you know, like again, like a prototypical like six foot four, seventy five defensive end. Um, yeah. So young, he has active hands and great power, as I mentioned. Uh, Uh, another running back that I believe is going to be hugely successful is Najee Harris out of Alabama um, Alabama's had some; has been stacked at running back, I mean they had Josh Jacobs taking the first round last year and they also had Damien Harris um, who I thought was better than Josh Jacobs and should have been a first round pick I think the Patriots picked him up um, in the middle rounds but Najee Harris was in that backfield as well and he, I I need to watch more tape on him. He he's a bit of a shorter back, but he's extremely fast and runs hard and things like that. I would say he's a little bit like Ezekiel Elliott, but I'm not sure that he's going to be a as good a pass protector, which is something that you know Zeke is a bit um underrated at right. Uh, but yeah, Najee Harris is an absolute gun. Um, a less he- less a heralded running back is Anthony McFarland, who I believe plays for Maryland. I would say that he's like Philip Lindsay, as a smaller back who can outrun a secondary, but also take bet- hits between the tackles. So he, he, I think McFarlane might be five eight or something, but he is so fun to watch. Like he's a little dynamo, and he can make guys miss, and he can run through arm tackles, and he can, um, yeah, he has great home run speed, and he's like feisty enough to be a good pass protector, and uh, shifty enough to um, be a good receiver out of the backfield um even flex him you could even flex him out wide a little bit and get like an easy 5 yards just like the Pats do with James White uh the top tight end that i've got so far is Albert O i won't bother trying to pronounce his name because i've already butchered to his name um but um he albert is just he's, he's like 260 or 270 so he's he's a bit like Gronk in that he has potential huge potential as a run blocker just because of his size but he can also move like crazy uh, and he can he, he can make tough catches, so he's a guy's to watch. And here's the two top tackles that I've analyzed. One of them is high, is considered maybe like a first or second round already. His name's Prince Tiger Wanogo, and the other guy is called Sadiq Charles. Uh, I believe that I'll have to watch the tape again, and I haven't got any notes on these guys. And I, it's the purpose of this podcast is like, if you're listening to this, it's like, if you hear a name and you're like, what? Oh, I've not, I've not seen, seen that player. Maybe if you go and watch the tape on them, you'll, you'll be convinced that, um, yeah, they are studs or, you know, just, it's always good to just hear, hear evaluations of players that are maybe, and like you know, i'm extremely high on these guys and if you haven't heard of them then it, it might it might improve their draft stock which is at the end of the day what i want to see like i want to see these guys get drafted high and see them have a successful nfl career you know part of me wants to be a, 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 a an agent just because of that like identify the undervalued guys and get them their fat contracts and um win-win hey eh? um just from my notes uh from just from memory, um so I think Sardik Charles he's a little bit less big and athletic as Prince Teguanogo, but he compensates with maybe a little bit more um better hand usage. Um, and therefore he's not as strong in the actually I really I need to I need a look at tape of these guys. These are just the I've just got them listed here, but um, yeah, just if I guess Winogo is just a little bit more athletically gifted. Um, uh, we've got another, and then here's another two extremely effective receivers. Henry Ruggs, I would say he's like Stefan Diggs with insane change of direction and downfield speed. Like this, that guy's going to be extremely exciting. Like he's going to be like a Marquise Brown, but I think Ruggs has got a little bit more yards after catch ability, like shiftiness. Hollywood Brown um and he's a bit bigger than Hollywood Brown too and then we've got Colin Johnson who like TJ Vasher, is a very tall receiver and he does have some ready moss um about him as well um so I'll talk about the guys who I think are worth about eight million dollars a year and that is center Tyler Bayadaz who I compared to Travis Fed- Frederick as he's strong as an ox and intelligent in pass protection um I thought Byrdas should have been like would have been a pretty high pick in last year's draft, um, let alone this year's draft. I'm surprised he actually returned for his senior season because were there any good centers? The the best center I had, <laughs> the best centers drafted in last year's draft were Justin Falsonelli and Nick Linda that I scouted. And keep in mind that I scouted about 400 guys, so that's not as comprehensive as you would like. Like if I'm an NFL Jam, I want like at least. 3,000 guys scouted, you know? Because you just don't want to miss on anyone. And there could be a diamond in a rough playing in a Division Two school. Like, Ali Marpet is a beast for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at left guard and he he um, played for a Division Two school, you know? So that, that does happen. Um, but, yeah, Justin Fulcinelli and Nick Linder, neither of them are on an NFL roster, even though a whole there's a whole bunch of teams that need help at center, or, or guard, you know, because they could, they could move over guard to guard pretty well. But yeah, Bayadaz would have been the best center in that draft anyway. Um, another player I value at $8 million a year is AJ Epanisa, who plays for Michigan State. I've got him as both an outside linebacker and a defensive end, so he, he is versatile enough to play both. Some guys, like maybe like a Daryl Taylor, who I don't have any notes on and I'll have to jog my memory on, but I've got him more of as a pure defensive end. Because, you know, some defensive ends, you know, this is talking about just a traditional like 4 3 front defensive end, right? Um, you know, if it's a 3 4 front defensive end, which this stuff gets hugely confusing, he's more of a defensive tackle in my book, right? But a guy like Quinn and Williams or Michael Dogby from last year's draft, you can move them to, um, at, you know, like a, and we're all. T- we're also talking about like the techniques, right? So I've got Daryl Taylor as like a four tech or something. But once they become like a nine tech or something like a Von Miller, they're sometimes going to be asked to go out in coverage, which isn't something that Daryl, I wouldn't want to see from Daryl Taylor. I think he's more, or, or Chase Young, ideally, just because I think they're more of a pure pass rusher. But AJ Ipanizo, I think he is shifty enough to, um, to cover as well, a little bit. Um, just as an outside linebacker, so yeah. Ho- hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, just just to clarify, if I'm talking about someone as an outside linebacker, I'm talking about a guy who's on the line of scrimmage defensively, but is like out, is like a nine tech, like out, like far outside the tackle, because he might he's also a threat to cover as well as rush the passer. Whereas if I'm talking about a defensive end. I'm talking more about like a four tech or five tech, um, uh, which is basically means that you just like opposite the, um, offensive teams tackle. Right. And then a defensive tackle in my books is a guy who's like inside the guard or the center of the offensive line, which is like a one tech or a three tech or, or a two tech, I believe. Um, it's all very interesting stuff, and you know, I've not played football, I've not coached or been around football. It's just from me watching, just hours and hours of football, and learning about the game through books and film and things like that. That is how I come to understand these terms. Um, but yeah, uh, we've got Shaq Quarterman here as um, an eight million dollar a year linebacker, inside linebacker. The one note I've got on him, I think Quarterman plays for, um, uh, I forget who he plays for, but in 2018 versus LSU, he hit NFL draftee Foster Morrow so hard that his mouth guard came out. So that just gives you an idea of like what Quarterman brings to the table. He's just, he's not afraid of contact, that's for sure. Um, but he can cover pretty well as well as an inside linebacker. Um, but he's yeah also a big time run stopper. Um, and then we've got a couple, We've got some receivers here. Jalen Regor. I mean, everyone knows about his yards after the catch ability. Um, we've got Tylen Wallace, the Oklahoma State receiver. Uh, he, him and Taylor Cornelius put up some big numbers last year. And yeah, Wallace, is, he's not a physically dominant guy, but he can certainly create separation and run, run routes well and, and catch pretty much everything. And Kendrick Rogers, who t- plays for Texas a and uh, I did actually watch... Texas A M versus was it Auburn? Or, or, a recent game just over the weekend. Unfortunately, I just I'm I'm not too good at watching college football, just because a lot of it is just like you know quarterback runs or or like not much goes beyond like ten yards beyond the line of scrimmage as far as the offense goes, which just makes it just tough to watch. You know, like if I'm just if I don't want to see just like a billion tackles for a loss or sacks or you know, it runs for like three yards, it's just not visually appealing football, I want to see, I want to see, uh, why is it, by the way, in a lot of hotels, particularly in Chinatown, man, actually, I shouldn't really say that, but like, you know, if you're staying at a place in Chinatown, usually it's got some bizarre features, such as the windows, in the rooms, like they don't have a fly screen. So, you know, you want to have fresh air coming in, but then you don't want mosquitoes coming in as well. So it's like a catch 22. And then also the light switch for the bathrooms is outside the bathroom, which is not really a huge problem when you've got your own bathroom, but you know, you don't want to be taking a dump or in the shower and then someone turns the light off on you. do dear. Anyway, I digress. Um, so I'm just itchy as hell. because I think Mozzie's got in the room which is a, just like bed bugs you do not want that to happen. You don't want to be lying there peacefully about to go to sleep and you hear this. You do not want to hear that cuz either you have to spend like a few minutes trying to find the guy and kill him or he'll bite the shit out of you all night. But bed bugs is like a whole different level of hell. I had them in Thailand in in Thailand and you know it's about a week of just terrible, terrible itching. Um, it's not painful, but it's certainly irritating and they're extremely hard to get rid of cause they're tiny little brown specks that will hide in little places in your clothes and in your blankets and stuff. Um, if you tell a hostel or a hotel that you got bed bugs, they freak the fuck out. I've been told that you just got to burn the whole place down sometimes because they're just so hard to get rid of bed bugs. I think that's a bit extreme, but yeah. So yeah, little little brown specks um, that obviously move a little bit, not very fast. Um, if you're just getting itchy and you see one of those, you literally just have to um, hunt them down in all of your clothes and, and your bedding. And before you, if you're in a hotel or hostel, it's a wise idea to check like the hems and stuff of the sheets and things, just to see whether there's any bed bugs already. Because yeah, a few minutes of preventative measures can really mitigate any sort of horror that can ensue. Trust me. Um, Anyway, I don't know how that's not really related to Kendrick Rogers, but Rogers is a huge receiver there's a lot of really big well there's different kinds of receivers you've got the Jalen Ragers and the Henry Ruggs who are speedy guys and then you've got Kendrick Rogers and um, Colin Johnson who are like a big targets you know uh, but Rogers is a huge yeah huge receiver and uh, yeah he's definitely a red zone threat and a jump ball guy and things like that and then we've got the cornerback Stanford Samuels I forget who he plays for He's actually the best cornerback that I've scouted so far. Um, other guy, other cornerbacks are Jeffrey Akuda out of Ohio State. Uh, we've got Christian Fulton out of LSU and AJ Terrell, whom I forget where he's out of. So those are some pretty good cornerbacks, but I think Stanford Samuels, of the guys that I've scouted, is the pick of the bunch so far. Um, from memory, he's just... He's just. I get. What What do you think is prototypical cornerback size? Maybe six two, maybe six two two ten, and lightning fast. I would say. And I think Samuels is 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 fits that bill, um, but it's not just the physical traits. Obviously, you can have physical traits but have no idea what you're doing. And Samuels is could be a pretty good press corner. Like he's strong enough to um, move guys off their routes. And uh, pretty sound tackler, like he's willing to get his hands dirty in the run game. And yeah, you can stay on a guy's hip downfield as well. Uh, I think I've got, honestly, I could talk. Yeah, I've probably scouted. there's probably like 150 more guys I could talk about. But I just thought I'd bring up these guys, maybe some other notable guys. Um, I think Derek King, the tiny quarterback out of Houston is worth about seven million dollars a year so you know probably a first or second round pick I highly value him um, yeah I'll save some more analysis for a bit later on um, I'm getting a bit of dry mouth just from talking so much and maybe my mum seemed to like the uh, podcast length of about 30 minutes rather than an hour um, so yeah, I'll, I won't talk anymore. I'll, um, and yeah, I need to do more scouting and more analysis and more note-taking of these players so I can bring you a bit more better analysis than just like what I'm going off of, of memory. So um, yeah, appreciate the listen and uh, have a great, just have a great time. At the end of the day, you know, just just make it happen. Do what you love every day and hope that it pays the bills. Right? Peace.